today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Ask God for a word from heaven and let that passage of scripture be like a compass guiding you through that perfect storm. And then let God work so deep in your heart that you respond in situations and circumstances in a godly way, a spiritual way, that you don't rejoice in evil even when you might feel like, oh, they got what they deserved. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. When we find ourselves in times of difficulty, it's easy to become depressed and give up on the people around us. Pastor Ed today reminds us of the life of David and urges us in those times to turn to God. Although David was to be king of Israel, his path to the throne was anything but easy. Even so, David kept his eyes on God, allowing his actions to mirror his creators. David's heart was even softened towards his enemy, and he was able to honor King Saul's death despite their continual feud. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. There's something about obeying the Word of God that brings His blessing and favor on your life. Just for a moment, I'd like to speak to those maybe who don't have a church home. If you're looking for a church home and you're looking for a place to worship, let God lead you. There are many fine churches within a community. But when you find that place, pray for the leadership and Follow the leadership when they're following God. Even as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. David, because he listened and abided in the truth that God had dropped in his heart, had God's favor rest on his life. Now, that didn't mean life would be easy. And it never, never is. Listen to Psalm 71. Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter You will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. God gave David a word, and David held on to that word, even though he had many days of trouble and sorrow. And God kept that word, and God lifted him up. God will do it for you. Honor him. Keep the word that he's dropped in your heart. I was thinking a lot about our state and the state of our country. How now laws are changing and we know that people are confusing civil rights with morality. And the burden that we can feel as Christians. But in the midst of that, there's a scripture portion I think we need to look at. In Saul, he was a religious leader and also a political leader. He embodied both the religious aspect of Israel and the political aspect. And Paul the Apostle tells us in the book of Romans that we're to respect appointed authority. 
In Romans chapter 13, 1 to 2, it says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. We are navigating in very difficult waters. The church must, first of all, be loyal to Christ. We are Christians before we are Americans. As we recognize our responsibility to be a prophetic voice in the culture, we must not embrace the culture's way of dialoguing. Freedom of speech has become an excuse for being rude and coarse and crash. It's an excuse for just viciously attacking others. As Christians, we have a greater boundary upon us, the boundary of God's word that tells us how we are to dialogue. We are to call sin, sin. We are to stand up for what is right and stand up against what is wrong. But the way we do it is so important. We are not to embrace the culture of disrespect that is so prevalent in our times. Because when you stand up for the truth, when you stand up for what is right, you'll be ridiculed, you'll be marked, you'll be mocked, you'll be labeled as some eccentric, narrow-minded person. Don't retaliate. Don't use the tactics of the world. First Peter 3.9 says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. David had a passage of Scripture, a truth, a principle that was a guiding compass in his life. It helped him to navigate through those dark, difficult years, and it's going to help him to navigate now when people are watching his attitude, his actions during this transitional time. He's going to show respect for Saul. That truth was governing him. What passage is God giving you in this transitional period in your own life, if it is a transitional period? Go to him. Ask him. And let that passage burn into your heart, burn into your mind, be a light for your feet, and guide you in the path that he's chosen for you. David, in the midst of all that happened could have been tempted to react in a negative way. When Saul died, the natural reaction would have been, let's party. We're going to dance on his grave. But watch, he does not rejoice in tragedy. In verses 11 and 12, David took hold of his clothes and rent them. Likewise, all the men that were with him They mourned, wept, and fasted until the evening for Saul and for Jonathan, his son, and for the people of the Lord, for the house of Israel, because they were fallen by the sword. A carnal person would have said, I'm going to dance on his grave. A carnal person would have said, wow, freedom at last. 
But David didn't do that. Why didn't he do that? Though that might be the natural reaction of many. Because God had done something deep, permanent, and lasting in his heart. His heart had been purified by God. In Psalm 25.1, you have a pattern that David practiced all through the journey. In 25.1, it says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In the midst of his injustices that he experienced, in the midst of the persecution that he experienced, in the midst of all of the problems and situations that came his way, what would he do? He would lift his soul up to God and say, Oh Lord, I lift my soul unto you. See, God wants to wean us off of responding to just people. He wants us to respond to him. And that's what David is going to do. God is going to determine his reactions, his response, his attitude. Remember, David, in just a few chapters prior, in 1 Samuel, they were ready to stone him. His own men were ready to take his life. And he encouraged himself in the Lord. Oh, Christian, we have to get to that place where we encourage ourselves in the Lord. David found strength in God. And what David would do is he would bring his heart to God because trials bring out in us a consciousness of our frailties, a consciousness of our sinfulness. It's that refining fire that we look in the inside and we recognize, oh, Lord, It's me, it's me, standing in the need of prayer. In Psalm 25, David prays, Show me your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth, teach me. For you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. In Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way that is everlasting. God, in the midst of his trials, was sifting, searching his heart, David's heart. That's what's happening. So when a situation comes up where a carnal person would have rejoiced and said, Wow, Saul is dead. Finally, I'm vindicated. He doesn't do it. He weeps and he mourns for the loss of the nation for the loss of what had been great potential. He just simply weeps. God's in the process of purifying your hearts. Under the discipline of God, will you surrender your will to him? Will you ask him, Lord, do in me what you want to do in me in the midst of what I'm going through, so that when you're in that transition, you won't step on that landmine. Because all he had to do is make a wrong move. All he had to do is just, let's celebrate now. Saul's gone. I'm ready to rush in and take the throne. He didn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Because his heart, his heart was like God's heart. He was called a man after God's own heart. There's something else that God was doing in David that helped him at this very important juncture in his life. God taught him 
the purpose of his life. He was to live for the glory of God. His heart was set on glorifying God. Look at verse 20. Tell it not in Gath. This is the eulogy that he gives, part of it. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. He didn't want the enemies of Israel to gloat over the victory in battle. He did not want the enemies of Israel to gloat over the death of Saul. It's so important that as Christians, we are very careful when a brother or sister in Christ falls, stumbles in some way, that we don't talk about that with the unsaved, that we don't air that with the unsaved, that we don't publicize that to the unsaved. It can be a stumbling block for them. But also, what happens is the enemy winds up using that. Don't air your dirty laundry to the world. Do you remember back in the 90s and late 80s, the comedians had a heyday about the televangelist who had fallen and the mockery and the many that were hurt. This is what Proverbs tells us. This is what David was doing. Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When he stumbles, do not let your heart rejoice. Why didn't he rejoice? Because he wanted God's name glorified. He felt the weight of the failure on his own shoulders that Saul had experienced, that Jonathan had experienced, that the nation had experienced. His heart was to glorify God. He wanted to see God's name greatly honored. And you know, that's a, a theme running throughout First and Second Samuel. Honoring God. When you honor God, God will honor you. When you lift God up, God will lift you up. When you ignore him and you turn your back on him, you're walking on dangerous, dangerous ground. In the midst of the transitions, whatever that transition may be, it may be the loss of a loved one, it may be the loss of a job, it may be a circumstance where you feel like you're in an empty nest, it may be a circumstance where you feel like you're just alone. Let God give you a word and let that word burn in your heart and make that a guiding principle as it was in David's life. Let God purify your heart so that the trials refine you and cleanse you and make you a holy righteous person with right motivations to give God glory and honor, to live for God and God alone. He did something else that we must always remember in the trials, in the transitions of life. He focused on the good. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, 17 and 19, it says this, David took up this lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan and ordered that the men of Judah be taught this lament of the bow. So this was going to be taught through the generations, a lament. It was written in the book of Jeshar, your glory, O Israel, lies slain on your heights. 
how the mighty have fallen. Three times, how the mighty has fallen, how the mighty has fallen, how the mighty have fallen. This was his eulogy. I remember over the years doing a lot of funerals. And in those funerals, even for the unsaved, I tried to find something good about a person that I could say. And I would also try to present the gospel in those circumstances. I remember, though, reading about one funeral service where a pastor was called to do, and nobody in the town wanted to do that funeral service because that man was a scoundrel. I mean, he was known throughout that community for what he had done wrong. And nobody had anything good to say about him. But he had a brother who cared about him. And his brother went to the pastor after pastor and couldn't get anybody to the funeral. So finally he went up to one pastor. He said, look, if you do my brother's funeral, I'll give you $10,000. All I want you to do is say something good about him. Say something good about him. So the pastor said, I could do that. (laughs) So the pastor went and he had the funeral service. And he said, Joe was a scoundrel, he he was dishonest, he was a terrible guy. I mean, he ripped people off and he stabbed them in the back. But there's one thing I have to say about him. He was better than his brother sitting there. (laughs) Well, sometimes you search for something good to say. David could have felt that way. But there's something absent in this eulogy, something he did not say. He did not say all the things that were wrong or some of the things that were wrong. In Proverbs, it says, do not say I'll do to him as he's done to me. I'll pay that man back for what he did. You know what David could have said? Let me tell you about the time the spear missed my head and then missed me again. Let me tell you about the time. I was running from one city to another city to another city. Let me tell you about the time that Saul disobeyed God. He was walking in rebellion again. He didn't say any of that. All of that is absent. It's not there. How could he do that? I mean, wouldn't it just slip out? I mean, you had to say, throw one dart there. You know what we have to do? We have to not only take our sins and bury them at the foot of Calvary, but we have to take the sins of others who have wounded, hurt us and take those and put them at Calvary's cross and bury them there. He was not going to allow all of those things to shape And to mold his life. Love, Peter says, shall cover a multitude of sins. What did he say? We looked at what he didn't say. He didn't say anything bad. What did he say? In verses 22 to 25, I've chosen those verses out of the eulogy. From the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, the sword of Saul did not return unsatisfying. He was saying they were great warriors. I mean, they fought battles. They were like the lion and the eagle. They helped protect 
the nation. I mean, they died in battle. There was courage that they had. And he focused on that, the military victories. And then he talks about how the women of Israel were dressed in scarlet and finery, adorned with garments, with ornaments of gold. He was saying that the spoils of war were passed on and given. He remembered the good that Saul and Jonathan did. He did something else. Remember Jonathan? The terrible triangle, the relationship that Jonathan was placed in. I mean, Jonathan had a covenant relationship with David. He loved him. But he also had a loyalty to his father. And sometimes people are caught in that difficult situation of a triangle of a relationship. Relationships can be very difficult. They can be very complex. And what David did was he recognized that and he affirmed that Jonathan and Saul died together in battle and how beautiful it was. He did not have unrealistic expectations of others. That's what David does. David is going to think of the best. Do you find yourself in a transitional period? Someone maybe has hurt you deeply. Some loss in your life that just seems to loom over you like some black cloud. Some future that seems so very uncertain that you wonder what tomorrow holds. Ask God for a word from heaven. And let that passage of scripture be like a compass guiding you through that perfect storm. And then let God work so deep in your heart that you respond in situations and circumstances in a godly way, a spiritual way, that you don't rejoice in evil even when you might feel like, oh, they got what they deserved. But in your heart, you're sorry for them because your heart is more like the heart of God than it is like the heart of the enemy, Satan. And as you go through those situations, let God help you to look at life seeing the good. David could have remembered a lot of negative things. Remember, 10 long years. That's a long time. Not one offense. Not one week, one month, one year. But I mean, 10 long years. That's a heavy burden to bear. But when David is standing there, it's like it never happened. Why? Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Give it to God, and God will show you the good in the darkest of nights. You must wisely navigate through life's difficult transitions to receive your future blessings. They're out there. God has them there for you. God had them there for David. God was going to lift David up and put him on a throne, and David would be a blessing for the generations to follow. 
God's plan, God's purposes are for your good and His honor and glory. We hope you've been blessed by Dr. Edward Jones' study on the life of David and invite you to join us again. In the meantime, we'd love to keep in touch with you. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. We're here to join with you in prayer for whatever is going on in your life or to answer any questions you may have about how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That phone number again is 845-462-5955. Be sure to check out our website as well at buildinginfaithradio.com. There, you'll find messages from previous series available to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. We know that God is using the Building in Faith radio ministry to spread the good news of the gospel, but we encourage you to not let this be your only source of spiritual guidance. Reading the Bible, prayer, and fellowship with other believers are extremely beneficial to anyone who wishes to grow closer to God. By getting plugged in with a local church, you'll also be able to bless others around you by sharing your unique gifts. If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area and don't have a church family, We welcome you to join us here at Faith Assembly. For location information, service times, and a calendar of other great upcoming events, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com and click on Back to the Home page. That's all the time we have for today. But join us next time right here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed shares more from the captivating life of David. Your word restores.